Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and psychologist, Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. The universe is a cruel, uncaring void. The key to being happy isn't to search for meaning. It's to just keep yourself busy with unimportant nonsense, and eventually, you'll be dead. The great and has spoken. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Who are you? Who are you? A very bad man. I'm a very good man. Good man. They think deep thoughts, and with no more brains than you have. Just a very bad wizard. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, all due respect to your boys, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins. Doesn't this year's Super Bowl prove that God exists? <laughs> yes, God, God exists, and he's like annoying white guy from Boston. Yeah, he's a just <laughs> and benevolent God. If he is all powerful, rewarder of virtue and good action. And he takes vengeance on those who bring trumped up bullshit charges against those I, who are vanquished. The, <laughs> or no, from those. I don't fuck. I don't know. The, Whatever. The, so the, awesome. I didn't want to bring this up. I mean, so we first of all, we I feel like we're out of practice. We haven't recorded in a while. But in the whole time that we haven't recorded, I've been sort of glad because I knew that I would be tempted to bring up this whole New England is certainly a cheater um charges that every see, time we beat somebody every time we beat someone miraculously there's some <laughs> new charge like it can't just be that they lost to a better team <laughs> to a smarter team to a more but, virtuous team a more courageous team a more <laughs> honorable team it has to be that, that the patriots cheated and like they're just running out of ideas about how to pretend that we cheated so now they go with the ball thing i so for those of you listening who are from a country that's saying we're talking about the Super Bowl and the New England Patriots, the pa- the Patriots, and you you are a fan of the Patriots. I grew up uh, in Boston, and that's just how it works. Uh, yeah, and they won the Super Bowl. I'm curious though as to like sports is such a clear case in which uh, people see what they want to see. Do, honestly, like at your core, at your real core, don't you think Belichick would just do some like whatever, whatever it took? Okay. Uh, no. And if we're talking about this ball deflation nonsense, there's no evidence. You had in the middle week, and I know that that, that there's it's too long between the the championship games and the Super Bowl is two weeks. And so they have to have a story. But Bill Nye, the fucking science guy, goes on Good Morning America on Sunday to challenge Bill Belichick. You should you should appreciate this to challenge Bill Belichick's explanation of the deflated balls, which now it turns out they might not have even there might only have been one ball that was even deflated in the first place. (laughs) He goes on and he says that Belichick's explanation doesn't make sense. And he holds up a, a, a needle, a fucking needle and says, this is the only way you can deflate a ball. A, that's not true. B, he provided no evidence. He just said it. The headlines the next day are Bill Nye, the science guy, refutes Belichick on deflated that's that's refuting just saying that something doesn't make sense and providing no evidence and just being named the science guy and being old I guess I don't know like I I, 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 it was the most infuriating week uh, two weeks of my life and then and then the game itself you know it was just it was like killing me it was and and then all of a sudden, everything was made right. And it was like, you know, the, like the, the sky's, the sky's open, part, the, the sky's yeah. parted and the and, angels sang. And like, meanwhile, like, see, like people in Seattle are like first Kurt Cobain and then this, like, this yeah. is like, you're just <laughs> shitting on them. I don't know what's happened in the last 20 years in Seattle. I just know. That yeah. Kurt- 
they I mean, did, Kurt they did Cobain. win the Super Bowl last year, but yeah, like pretty much it's Kurt Cobain and then the interception <laughs> just as they're about to win the Super Bowl. I, you, you may remember that this is the like one year anniversary of me rupturing my Achilles. That yeah. game was like I ruptured my Achilles again but then it unruptured but then it healed magically yeah just like put itself back together would (laughs) would you would you have taken that for the team like would you have said like i i will go through another achilles rupture just so the fans can win an achilles i don't think (laughs) i might do like an acl but (laughs) but not an achilles i can't go through that again i've already like i've told several people in case any one of them get cold feet that they have to blow my brains out if i tear my achilles again if you tear your achilles again yeah. like I, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna set traps <laughs> that could be a good like little mini series is just you trying to kill me for my sake uh and me trying to avoid it just out of a natural survival instinct and me or maybe like i changed my mind or something just, yeah your daughter like crying in the background no david no <laughs> i gotta do it sorry eliza he said he pre-committed I, uh <laughs> But why do you have to rape him first? <laughs> oh, I, you know, I sort of tacked that on. Don't worry about that part. <laughs> that was, it's like, it's like a, it's a rider on the bill. Like, I just put it in there. <laughs> but I should have added the line item veto. <laughs> oh, God. I think I'm too tired. I'm, I'm already laughing. Uh, speaking um, of, like, offensive, misguided uh, conversations, we have our drinking game contest. It has come to a close, and we will announce the winner on, on our Facebook page later this week. I did want to add one that just came into us right under the deadline today um, from Greg Bins. I feel uh, like this is just you you opened an email account and just <laughs> emailed this to our to us. Dave uh, and Tamler. So he puts you first. Here are some other conditions. I don't think it's actually favors me that much. You've read no, this uh, yeah. more closely than I have, but before yeah. the game starts, pick either Dave or Tamler. Whenever Tamler shows that Dave's entire position becomes irre- irrelevant, if you reframe the question in a more intelligent way or just strive for greater conceptual clarity. <laughs> first of all, when have I ever? I feel like you just got our names wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't strive for conceptual clarity. Like, that's why uh, you take a drink if you pick Dave, and you may act smug with complete impunity if you pick Tamler. It works in reverse. If Dave shows that Tamler's position won, uh, oh, so option one, you may forego the right to act smugly, but instead feign modesty in the quest for truth. I don't even know who this is ripping on. I don't know, but I, I feel like that might be me, like feigning modesty in the quest for truth. It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Especially yeah. since I've already been accused of being an insufferable <laughs> boaster. You know what the problem with this email is? Is that is that there's too many things that, like I just want to drink already. It's like There's like th- three options. Okay, so option number two. A judge may be required to settle contested claims of Tamler making Dave seem misguided or confused or vice versa. I'm already confused. Option number three, judge option. Whenever you find yourself bedeviled by intuitions that you can't talk yourself out of or that Dave and Tamler can't talk you out of, you must take a drink. I think that the more interesting one is this number two. Whenever all present can agree that Dave and Tamler are failing to ask a much more interesting question about the topic at hand, all must take a drink. It's really hard for me to put myself in the position of not being able to ask the most interesting question but it's like it's like imagining that you don't exist sort of you know it's like this, yeah, or imagining that we've had to re-record whole segments <laughs> or episodes because we realized in some hypothetical far away possible world right see that philosophy reference possible world <laughs> david lewis still connected <laughs> all right this year has is getting off to an unbelievably great start. I can walk. The Patriots are Super Bowl champions. We just said fuck you to the whole world. And and I like the idea for this episode. We have this great paper. It's so right up my alley. You're always saying provide empirical support for your positions. <laughs> and now I have this paper. And we're going to connect that up with a TV show, if you haven't watched, that you need to watch, Black Mirror. And in particular, one episode called White Bear from season two. And I think they link together. I'm very excited for this conversation. It is. So this is a paper that we both of us have been talking about, about this paper since it appeared. Um, we've been meaning to talk about it, but it just so happened to link up nicely with, with this episode. So this is 
a paper by well we know jay van babel and so we're we're actually going to have we know him at least through the the twitter world um we're going to have him he just right now agreed to be on so we're going to talk about this paper hopefully he'll come on and talk about some of his other work but this is Oriel Feldman Hall, Peter Sokol Hessner, Jay Babel, and Elizabeth Phelps. Elizabeth Phelps was the first person I ever TA'd for. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. She's a, she a friend. That's she's, a yeah, drink. That's a drink for somebody. So this is a, she's yeah. a great friend. I'm <laughs> yeah. actually going to take a drink right now. I yeah. have a little flask. <laughs> what is that? It is Buffalo Trace. Yeah, nice. It's a flask. That's Be- for the drinking game. I bought it just for the drinking game. Beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm having some bourbon too on an empty stomach. So that's great. Yeah, this is gonna be a great episode. (laughs) (laughs) This could get ugly, people. If it, I guess it already has gotten kind of. So this is a fairness violations elicit greater punishment on behalf of another than for oneself, and like we'll jump into it. But it's essentially just a paper about about the difference between how we punish people when they've violated, when they've committed a moral transgression directly to us, or when they've done it to somebody else. Right. So it's just a nice it's a nice finding about third party versus first party. Yeah, so it's uh and the reason that I'm that I love this paper although you're going to need to get into yeah. the details of how they demonstrate it. But here's my sort of very optimistic version of what the paper provides support for. So there's this whole literature that started, I guess, a little over 10, 15 years ago in behavioral economics and, and social psychology that supports the view that people favor punishing wrongdoers and that right. they're willing to suffer costs. I guess you just taught this. We were talking earlier in your class, right, that they're willing to suffer costs to punish people who have transgressed fairness norms right just for the sake of punishing them yeah like and and there's so there's work that that sort of tries to argue in in some cases with behavioral data and in other cases with some brain data saying essentially that um that it's it's pleasurable that like we we actually get some deep satisfaction out of punishing people who have who have transgressed even when the transgression isn't directly affecting affecting us because you know the original findings in these these game theoretic the ultimatum game which is the the most common classic game yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right which is that people will incur a cost to punish somebody else for treating them unfairly so this right. inequity aversion which basically like if you screw me i'm willing to like just kill the whole deal so that neither of us make any money right. i'm willing to um, to give up what little bit of the pot that you offered me just to punish you uh, for offering me such an unfair amount. And, you know, we talked about this. If you haven't listened to our episodes about Joe Henrik's work really quickly, if, if for, for those of you who may not know this, the ultimatum game, it's a very, very simple game. And this is the beauty of, of this method is so Tampler and I are playing. um, The experimenter says, David, you get $10 uh, split it with Tamler. Um, however, however you want anything from giving him zero dollars to giving him ten dollars, and and then says Tamler, you're in this role, you get to accept or reject David's offer. People are willing to take a, a minor hit, like if I give you four bucks and keep six, like you'll accept it. But once you start deviating from that slight uh, unfairness, people start rejecting it. Um, so just say it if you give the Jew amount. <laughs> I <did not> <laughs> I mean, I could see that you that was just bursting out of you, and you were like clenching your teeth not to say it. I don't see that people I'm, will reject that amount. I'm colorblind. <laughs> it was, yeah, so people so people will reject this, and so this has been like probably one of the most used methods in all of behavioral science because it just provides this sort of like nice and easy way. I, I've done experiments on it that never got published, but <clears throat> sorry about that. I was the reviewer on that one. <laughs> it's in some ways it's overused, but it's supposed to provide just a natural little little analog for for what you know these fairness decisions are in the real world. So that's the ultimatum game, but then there are these other games. This, the stuff I'm talking about it concerns when you're just a third party observing, and this is the fair and right. Uh, how so do you pronounce the fair and guy? Gachter, 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 you have to like eat cabbage soup when you say it. <laughs> anti-Semitic the, drink. 
<laughs> oh wait, is that a Jewish thing? I didn't say matzah. You were not the person that was transgressed against, but you still have an opportunity to punish the transgressor, the person who failed to give the fair amount. Uh, right. and people will suffer costs to punish transgressors of these norms. And there was the, there was also a study, I think, where they did the neuroscience of it. Men especially found the, this pleasurable to do that, right? Um, right. That's like, like a, a it's singer. Like a cir- it's like a circle jerk. It's yeah. like it basically like, you know. It's, some How of is it like a circle neuro- jerk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking I, forward to this. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> The claim here is there's pleasure circuitry in the brain that's essentially recruited that was built to do things like make us feel good about food and sex and all all of those things that are important for survival. And that somehow because in order for there to be a a balance so that, you know, cheaters or, you know, bad guys don't overtake a population, what's supposed to have evolved is this desire to keep cheaters in check. And not just when you're screwed over yourself, but just... When you, whenever you see somebody screwing over somebody else. Yeah. So the way, presumably, that evolution did this was it recruited what was already built as a pleasure center for these other things and makes us just gives us a little squirt of dopamine. Okay, I, so let's get to this paper because I think this paper, start, this paper had me from its opening couple paragraphs. Because uh, that's all you read? That's a, uh, so you're just... Partly. <laughs> but what, what it points out is that in these types of games whether it's a third party or whether it's personal there's really just two options to right. punish the person or not to punish them so you accept it you just swallow your pride and say like a yeah. dollar is better than zero dollars like you know tamler kept nine fuck it i'll keep it or you just reject it yes that's right there's nothing in between and then here's the here's where this paper had me swooning yeah. in their arms already <laughs> like they can do whatever p values they want after this um, <laughs> in the real world t- however punishment is rarely the only option for restoring justice there is a broad range of alternative responses reflecting the idea that both the transgressor and the victim can be differentially valued depending on one's social preferences and conceptual sense of justice For instance, some people may prefer to compensate the victim or punish the transgressor such that the penalty is proportionate to the harm committed, preferences that may uh, prove to have powerful roles in motivating the restoring of justice. The proportionality thing would remind me when when we get to talking about the Black Mirror episode, there's just a great, great quote. That that one clause or phrase confuses me because I kind of thought that that was the whole idea of the punishing is yeah. that it's supposed to be proportionate. You know, I think that's I, I right. sort of ignored that little phrase in there. I noticed uh, that too, and I thought that the, yeah. ph- that the philosophers would say, well, like, that's the whole... The, the, the point is that punishment is... The, the, I think that what they're trying to point to is mat- just the mathematical equivalent. What they're creating with this new version is essentially a way to directly, directly punish the dollar amount that that you've been uh, sort of screwed See, up. you looked at the actual study. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost with you here that, like, all, all, you, all you really needed to say was, like, and, and this is one of those cases, one of the reasons I like this article is you, you read it and you're like, God damn it, that's true. They, like, why hasn't it been obvious that whenever you have a dichotomous <laughs> option in a game, you know, it should be a little suspicious if it's attempting to capture reality and it's a dichotomous option. Just like with our moral dilemmas, it's just like, you know, you got to be a little suspicious because that's not that's not how reality is. Well, in defense of the old style, that kind of false dilemma is modeled in philosophy often as, you know, with the only two choices when it comes to punishment being the utilitarian approach or the retributive approach. And, you know, one of the things that with. Dip, you know, different degrees of success that I've tried to talk about in our in our in our restorative justice episodes is that those aren't really the only two options, and that justice might be something you know that has pieces of those two things, but something broader. You know, just trying to make it right. Whatever happened, you make it right. You fix it. Right. To bring balance back, even like the abstract notion of bringing balance back has a lot of solution. But, you know, this is actually funny because as I was reading this and as I think about your your position over time, I think that 
across 62 episodes, you've actually just aged. In fact, we got a we got a recent other. I've gotten younger, but yeah, <laughs> no, you're like you're like a reverse Benjamin Button. You're good. You're, you get <laughs> like older, a, just a normal human being. <laughs> yes. yes, that's funny. I like. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, we just got an email about this about our revenge episodes. In our early episodes, you were just like, I feel like you were just like, yeah, like fuck it, like this is what justice is, like the right to punish if somebody screws you over, and in fact, this is what honor is. And you've just like sort of just softened up. No, it's not softened. It's just that I recognize that there's a big difference between this Don't is why I love this conceptual paper. clarity. Yeah. Now somebody gets to act smug or something. How does that work? <laughs> I, 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 I realized like my personal epiphany that no one seems to share with me is that it does make a difference whether it happens to you or whether it happens to someone else. That makes a difference, and the punishments can be different depending on who the victim is. You know, in, in the abstract, that seems offensive. Justice should be impartial. But in particular cases, that doesn't seem, it just seems perfectly appropriate that that's what sort of led me towards the restorative justice idea because it is premised on, on that notion. So you want to, but do, do you want to reserve the right though that if someone screws you over that you get to? Yeah, of course you do though. With restorative justice, reserve the right to just want to punish them um, or to take revenge. Like I, you know, to me, revenge but, is a subspecies of restorative justice. Then how do you feel about? On the one hand, you're a fan of this paper, but on the other hand, you've often said that one of the big problems with the way that that society just structures you meeting out of justice is that in fact third parties are the ones making the decision right maybe we should talk about exactly what they do in this paper yeah let's talk about the paper because i want to know what the analog is to your so for your view of society so right so the nice thing about this is they created an economic game that's based on the ultimatum game except for that rather than have only the option to like swallow your pride and accept uh you you have a right or reject altogether so that nobody gets any money is that you have a variety of of options so you have the accept, the traditional accept, but you also have, so suppose that I offer you, we, it's a $10, they give me $10 and I offer you $1. <laughs> On the one hand, like in the traditional game, you can either accept it or you could reject it. We, neither Nobody gets, gets any money. Gets any money. Here they, they have like a, an, an, a nice twist where you always only have two options. So they keep that control. It's just that they vary uh, across five possibilities. And one of those possibilities is, that you can opt to compensate. So if I offer you only a dollar, uh, you can say, boom, like this option compensate means I get the equivalent, the mathematical equivalent to whatever it is that you kept. So I can say just like out of nowhere, I can grow the pot. And so I don't know that that's an option when I offer. So right. that's, you can that, get, that's a key point that you don't that's, know that right. that's an option. Yeah. So I'm player A. I make the offer. I say you get a buck. I get nine. And you are shown two options. You can accept that or you could say like, no, you know what? Nine bucks for me, nine bucks for you. And the key comparison here is you can also reverse it. So you could say, you know what? You're a dick for offering me only one dollar and keeping nine. I'm going to hit the reverse button. I get nine and you get one. So in both cases, you get nine bucks. So this is this shows already, right? That this is not this is a study in social psychology and not behavioral economics, because you're not allowed to lie to the people in behavioral economics about what <laughs> terms of the. It's a good question because you're right. In, in economics, they don't want deception. In this case, I I'm not sure whether here it may be the case that that player A knows that there are five options that will randomly be given to player B. Oh, I see. Uh, so right. I'm not sure which one it actually is, but I, I think Hopefully they might. it's not that one because right, the, the, the symmetry of the, the game risk. would be, yeah, then, then it becomes like game theory on their part. Okay, so... Okay, so, uh, so, so, yeah. so those are the really the two crucial ones. There are these other options, which, is, which are um, you could punish me by saying like, well, you get you you kept you said you were gonna keep nine and give me one. You only get one, and I only get one. So so you basically shrink the pot. So right. one option is grow the pot, and you have compensate so that there's equity in mm-hmm. that we both get the money. And then another one is that there's equity, but that you get you shrink the pot. The key the key finding I think, and I think that they think is that keeping this this compensate versus the reverse case where 
uh, you will get the same exact amount, right? right? Nine bucks if I give you a, a low ball offer. Um, but in one case, you could choose to punish me. In the other case, you could just let me keep the $9 that I was going to keep anyway. And what they find is punishing the other person when you have the option to just get your money and not punish them. So punishment loses out. So the finding that you love is that when people are playing the game themselves, like you and I are playing the game, you're much more likely to pick the option that gives us, even if I was a dick, you're much more likely to, well, significantly more likely to pick the option that lets us both keep our money, Yeah. even if I was a dick. But if you are watching two people play the game, you're more likely to pick the punitive option there. So you're like, you keep, Tamler, you keep your nine bucks, but Dave is... Dave is just getting right. fucked. Um, and th- this is why this paper got published. This is the nice finding, I think. And it's a great things. finding. And you're right to, to ask what the analog is. Uh, again, I didn't get too deep. It, it's like um, inherent vice. You know, it's like I was just so into it from the moment it started that yeah. like I never bothered to like try to piece the plot together. This is this is I might as well have asked you if Belichick cheated. <laughs> you should, already know the answer. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, right. I no. was just so in the bag for this paper that I <laughs> didn't really sort of look at the. You know, I guess what what is a, a crucial component of a study are the actual results. I guess the idea is is I mean it's very simple, and and this could be a good bridge to talking about the Black Mirror episode that. We're much more punitive when, and it's and it's ironic in some ways when we ourselves are not the victims, right? But but when you are the victim, if you can figure out a way to make it right without anybody suffering, you'll choose. You're more likely to choose that. And I guess that is, you know, the idea behind uh, the very optimistic version of restorative justice, which is that. You know, everyone can benefit. Not it's not just for the victim. I mean, you know, right. part, certainly part a big part of it is how important it is for the victim to participate in their own conflict and not have some impartial third party settle it at no benefit to themselves. But but that actually the offender too can sort of grow from the experience and and be reintegrated into the community after they perform whatever a compensation they have to perform that part is actually missing like uh, from this is that it's not the offender here doesn't have to really do anything other than just take take its money which is i think i guess the that 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 is different like i think restorative justice does require something and it's important i think to require something from the offender and not just let them get away scot-free but i and and i think that this you know the, the Really, the the simple point of this paper that that it is that people are less punitive if you give them the option, and I, and that that might be essential to restore when there's the vic- certainly, but not. only when they're the victims because they have the options in the third party case, and they're still punitive. That's right. That's right. So, but the interesting case here is is what's going on in the in the case of the third party, and that's what I was going to get to. Like, wanted to ask you because so this is, you know, this is. I, I suppose as impartial as you can get, this is just like a stranger watching a third a third party get you know play the game. Is it that I think that you will be happy if I punish, and that it's just like a an empathy gap that like I don't have. You're the, trying the to help the feelings. victim in the way that you think you would want to be helped, yeah. but you're just wrong or something like that. Yeah, but, you're just wrong about yeah. what you think you would want, or whether or whether people actually think that it's their duty to do this when they're the third party like that so this is what i think like, i think you don't have i don't have the right to essentially forgive the person who's who's transgressed like it is my duty to punish them you if see. it were me i might have the right to but it's not my it's not mine to give right it's not like, oh, okay for, those are two different things right it no, could be no. that i it could be that i have a duty to punish 
Yes, or it could be that I feel like I don't have the right to forgive as a third party. I don't that only the victim has the right to forgive, or mm-hmm. you might think even the victim doesn't have the right to forgive. I mean, there's a lot of variations yeah, you could do right. on this study. You could you could give the third parties information about what the victims themselves want. You could give you know to try to control for that, you, you, and you could manipulate that, right? You could say, well, what the victim doesn't want, you know, wants the reverse, the punishment right. option, or the the victim would want the compensate one. So yeah, I, I that's a great question. Like this, and this I'm definitely reading. Well, I mean, I'm definitely reading into it by saying by using even the using the word forgive. Like I don't think the authors would say like there's anything like forgiveness going on here. But, but I mean, the the, the like you said, the, like the the beauty of this study is that it shows that people are more punitive yep. when they themselves uh, are not the victim. And sort of the uglier implication that you could draw and maybe this will get us to Black Mirror, is that we like to punish, like we get a, like a little thrill, like a yeah. little frisson and, uh, uh, and when we punish people and we don't want, and, and, and we don't want to give that up. We get that little brain jizz. Yeah. And, we, and, and, <laughs> and it might be, and it might be, we have a title. Yeah, um, we have a title. <laughs> the, it, it may be that it actually, is easier so it feels at least subjectively it feels lower risk for me to punish somebody else playing the game than for me like it takes it takes like more like more chutzpah as you people say to actually be the one to punish the person who transgressed against you Right. right. Like, I feel like it takes something to like, just tell, like, which is one of the things I like about restorative justice is that it does require that. So it requires yeah. you to like do something and stick up for yourself. Whatever the non-sexist version of saying be a man is. Um, yeah. But, a yeah. little bit. Right. And, and, and in fact, though, you know, like some of the best, some of the best examples of restorative, the success of restorative justice comes in the case of domestic violence and sexual assault, um, where the victims are at their most powerless. So feeling. it's almost empowering to, to be yeah. able to do this. All right, I, so I you want to take that's the idea. So let's take a break and right. then we'll talk about this ugly implication possibility All right. and, and Black Mirror. Uh, welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. I just wanted to quickly ask uh, ask you, uh, since you said you're a fan of bourbon, I take it that you're just a fan of the molecule that is alcohol in general. So, but but, but it, bourbon, but, but bourbon in particular, most of all, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it's good. It's, it's really good. grown. So what's your what's your pick? well? I mean, I have two answers to that. I have a friend from college who grew up in Louisville. Is that how you say it, Louisville? Louisville, yeah. yeah. You don't say Louisville. You don't. Yeah, I learned that from my friend. <laughs> he once came down to Houston, and we went to a bar called Poison Girl. And for some reason, they had this unbelievable bur- bourbon. Was that a leather bar? Was it? <laughs> yeah, it's this, you got a little glow in your eye. It's kind of a hipster bar that you would like. They had this sort of blip on their menu where they where they had Pappy Van Winkle for like eighteen year old bourbon for. 10 bucks for like a generous pour a, a bottle of that costs like 150 dollars. i've never even heard of it Pappy yeah Pappy. yeah you need to have more friends from louisville because i i'd never heard of it either but it was the most delicious thing i've ever tasted so if the the so one answer is that that's my favorite bourbon but i could never afford that bourbon um so my bourbon of choice is i'll get maker's market or woodford reserve or i'll just go with the sort of table bourbon of jim beam yeah so i, I was saying I, i'm drinking buffalo trace which i actually really like there's four roses have you had four roses yeah i like yeah, that it's really good stuff too yeah. um but, but maker's trace. mark Ma- maker's mark is probably my modal 
It's the like go-to the, one. Yeah. Yeah, if you're out. I just like that little wax thing. Something, I, I actually like Jim Beam probably as much as I like Maker's Mark, but there's something... So I'll have it at home, but if I'm out, like there's something just yeah. wrong with saying Jim Beam on the rocks. Yeah, yeah. This is- Black Mirror. Yeah. Warning, massive... Sp- like, there's no way to talk about it without spoiling it. Um, no. So stop. Just turn this off. Go watch yeah. Black Mirror. There are plenty of ways to it's see like it. It's like an hour. It's on two. Netflix. It's you- 44 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's- it's it's no it's season one isn't it? it's like the second episode season two it is second episode yeah okay, season so one yeah. second episode is that awesome one it's the most dystopian like just actively dystopian oh, uh yeah. the one with like the american idol uh, yeah another yeah. great so we could talk yeah. about that with all so so don't listen to this if you haven't watched this right all right so now we're assuming that you have yeah and um and if you have hopefully the one thing that i i just I said this last time, but what I want to communicate is these things are so fucking uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. I mean, they're great, but like they have just mastered whatever it is, what that emotion is called of just unease. Like this is like a moral unease. Like it's like a, a it just feels wrong the whole time. It's yeah. a mixture of suspense and just... vicarious pain, but like also just that moral discomfort. It's just it's so well done totally brilliant and it fucks you up when you watch it so it's very very quickly it's you it's you start out with a woman waking up from being clearly unconscious passed out um and you know, pills all over she has no idea who she is what she's doing in this particular room and she's trying to piece this together and the minute that you realize that she's trying to piece together who the hell she is and where she is um you see people <clears throat> she goes outside and people are starting to record her with their cell phone cameras and people are starting to chase her uh, like, like one with guy scary mask, scary. It's like one of the creepiest. Like when that guy comes out with a mask and yeah. a shotgun, and you don't know at first what he's doing. All you see is that there's a couple of people recording her, and then he just nonchalantly gets out with this weird mask and a shotgun, and just sort of points it at her. And then it's just from then on. I think the only really important thing to know is that she gets chased. Chased. Well, she and no. Helped. There's one other important thing. She meets yeah. up with. Like another woman who's yeah. trying to protect her, and right. whoever this other woman is, I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, I yes, yes, she's great. And in fact, it's so well done because so essentially she's she's helping her escape from what are two types of people. One is the the bystander who doesn't interact with her at all. In fact, as she yells at them, all they do is record her. They don't say a word to her. They don't say right. a word to each other. And then. There's these creepy people, like in some cases they have masks on that are like animal masks that make it really creepy who are, who are essentially trying to kill her. They have like um, chainsaws. They have yeah. various different kinds of weapons. And she and, and you as the viewer and she as an actress, she's really good. This actress just, just desperate freaked out. Yeah, yeah just desperation. Like the, yeah, and and you can feel it from her. And there's no way as a human being watching this for the first time that you are not just ultimately concerned with her well-being and 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 you think that whatever is happening to her is the most gross and unfair thing that 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 and is, horrifying right? just it's just like, like you don't know who you are she's she doesn't see she's not a she, there's like little clues like <laughs> there's the symbol that keeps popping up all over the place she's she, having for flashbacks the first time. Yeah. yeah she's having flashbacks there's a picture of a little girl you sort of think that this is her daughter right because she's i guess biracial and the the daughter yeah. is kind of like similarly biracial or if that's I hope right that's i mean so they they look yeah. like they could no they yeah. look like they could yeah. be i think on purpose they yeah. look like they could be related and so she actually infers that this must be her daughter and so she's yeah. getting these little images of this little girl and so she keeps telling this woman like i i think this was my daughter right um and so you're re- really feeling bad because you don't know what happened to her daughter essentially you know you're, yeah. yeah and you're scared for her and then there's this other uh, woman, I guess Jem is her name. It's like she knows what's going on and she's trying to protect her. Like she's like, I think you, you sort of think she's part of some rebel. Like this is some yeah. new anarchy, like road warrior kind of society. And that's what you think going in. Yeah. And in, in fact, she tells her a story that's like this plausible account of why people are recording her. She's like, you know, there's some some weird like fucking mind control shit is going on, but it right. doesn't affect everybody like 
and I'm one of those not affected, and she's gonna like take down the transmitters that are like doing the mind control. Like it's like a sort of a sci-fi thing, and you're like, okay, well, this is sci-fi. Like this makes sense in this dystopian world. Like she seems like she's, you know, it's like Terminator. Like come with me if you want to live. So, but she's very passive for the whole episode until at one point. I think to save Jem or to protect herself, I it's been it's been now like about a month since I last saw it, but she picks up a shotgun and, to shoot like one of these whack yeah. jobs that are trying, trying to kill her, and then just like a flag pop. No, uh, what like, pops? Out? It's like confetti. We might as well cut to the chase because this is right before the reveal. She finally picks up this gun and she shoots, and it's confetti. They're in this like this warehousey sort of thing where you know like purportedly there's like central transmission is going on or whatever but um right when she does that you as the viewer i think share in her confusion where it's like what the hell like all of a sudden this just like became very strange because the confetti pops out and then what you see is like these um doors open like basically the building opens and all you see is is the confusion that you might feel like if you were to step out on stage and you can see a crowd, kind of, um, but it's dark. The lights are on you. Right. And people are applauding. And you can sense her confusion for a minute, like, because clearly whatever was happening, that her life was in danger, has stopped. Right. So on the one but hand, then she's relief. also getting, like, manhandled. <laughs> then she starts getting strapped down. Yeah. And strapped down into a chair. And you were still confused. Yeah. Like, did the bad guys get her? Did yeah. like what? What's going on? All of yeah, a sudden, what Jem, the hell just happened? Jem is who's been on her side turns like from our like from our perspective turns against her and yeah. is like strapping her down in, into this chair. And up until this point, I can't stress that you know if you hopefully you saw it, you are the whole time you have no reason to believe that you ought to be doing anything but rooting for this poor woman. And then there's the the reveal, and the reveal is is a horrible, horrible. Like reveal. I mean, it's deflating. And based just... on a real case, I guess. Oh, um, really? I, yeah. Yeah, a real crime. It's based uh, on a real crime. This woman and a man who had that symbol tattoo on his neck, which is mm-hmm. why that symbol pops up. They kidnapped a little girl. They tortured her, and they killed her over the course of many days. And her role she... in it was to record. Yeah. Like as her husband sort of tortured and killed, the, I mean, as her fiance. boyfriend tortured and killed, yeah, the, yeah fiance, uh, the little girl, she sat there and recorded the whole thing. She didn't stop him. They make it sound like he was sort of the ringleader. Her crime was A, recording it, and B, not, st- I mean, obviously, and most right. crucially, not, not stopping not it and not doing anything about it. And you get and- the sense that she, like, during the recording, um, she's not even protesting. Like, she doesn't seem right. distressed. Yeah. Um, and so so you really do get the sense that this is a like a person who committed one of the most horrific things that you can commit. Just just the, the, the probably the worst crime I can think of. You, yeah. And like a child to torture and murder a child or, or even be a part of that. And and the weird thing is that like her face like immediately became a villainous face to me. Like it, it went from like, oh, see, not me being sympathetic to like I was looking at her and I was so they've erased her memory so she yes. has no memory of this except for these little flashbacks and then you see her face see I didn't get that I was just struggling to reconcile you just these were two pictures Jim <laughs> yeah. I was struggling to reconcile these two pictures of her like I could imagine the crime but I couldn't imagine her doing it yeah um, because I as I saw the performance she's not no, she no, that's like she that's doesn't right. become all sinister. She's still confused, but then it sort of dawns on her what she did, and she seems actually very regretful. But the point of this whole charade, this is the sort of the the genius oh, of this yeah. episode, is to make her feel. It, this is the punishment that they're yeah. giving her to make her feel exactly how that little girl must have felt what when she was abducted and right. chased and tortured and ultimately yeah and so they actually dra- they actually take her as as part of so what you find out is everybody who was recording her is part of this audience that goes and visits essentially a theme park and so what you find out is that there is actually when when they are revealing to her who she is. Um, They are showing her essentially like a news clip uh, that describes her role in this, you know, details specifically what they did to this girl. And there is a line in there where it says, you know, it was decided that she had to suffer 
the consequences that were proportion. I think they say proportionate and measured. So and this is the proportionate. Pun- I mean, this is the br- the philosophical exactly. brilliance of this episode. Is this is so they do this every day for a month. You get the sense because he's crossing off right. days on a calendar. Yeah. Every day they she goes through this. Yeah, you don't, thirty you, days. You don't uh, know that it, they never explicitly say that it's only going to be thirty days, but you assume there's like an October calendar and it's like day seventeen. Yeah, and so at the very end he crosses and, out one more day. And so he crosses yeah. out one more day and erases her memory. The the end of the episode is them starting all over, same same exact thing, and they, him giving a speech. Now, so there's two questions, right? Is this the right? right. Is this the thing that she deserves. Is this the punishment she deserves? Because this is exactly how she made an innocent little girl feel. Yep. And so should she experience exactly what that little girl experienced? And then there's this separate question of the people who come to this park and who record it. They're like taking so much pleasure the most, and glee. That's the most brilliant part of this whole thing is yeah. is. And in fact, like I almost fear that people might miss it because the credits start rolling. You've already learned the story and it's but as the credits are rolling, then they go into this additional stuff, which is the entire setup of this. They call it White Bear Justice Park in this. And they show the crowd. Essentially, what you see is uh, them preparing for the day of of the hunt for this, you know, like of setting this up. You see the the guy who's the host of the show talking to the crowd and essentially just hyping them up. And he's saying, he's saying like, here are the rules record as much as you want, but don't talk to her and, and don't talk to each other. Um, and be careful. She's a dangerous person like this. Just this last time she tried to throw something, but, but above and beyond the number one rule is enjoy yourself. Yeah. And like people are just cheering and at the end they parade her through and like he's instructing the crowd to let this bitch know like what a horrible person Throw, she is like, and like shit at her. They're she throwing like to... bloody sponges. Like you actually see a little clip of like there's a stand that's selling like two two pounds the UK, two pounds per her sponge and you can throw essentially she's a little poke mobile really good price by the way for a bloody sponge sponge. she's she was definitely sponge worthy it is exactly this it is the the claim that behavioral economists and social psychologists and evolutionary biologists have made that we get intrinsic pleasure out of punishing other people is is shown to its absurd degree in in this little this little clip because this is the weird thing, right? If, I, if you gave me like a half an hour, I could come up with a worse crime than yeah. she committed. It would but, take yeah. me a while. But but here's the thing. So part of me feels like no pity for her. Like this is she's deserving what she gets. Part of me doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Part of me feels really bad for her and doesn't want her to like if I had to choose, does she have to go through this again? I would say no. And all of me is repelled by those people, by those people, like the sheer the, pleasure they're taking and condemning yeah. her. Yeah, and, and and that this is the thing that to coin your phrase, the <laughs> brain jizz that they're getting by watching this woman suffer, like it just seems wrong. They haven't done anything to like feel to, pleasure, right? So here's where like like let's just prep for your accusation of my Kantianness here. But I genuinely feel that this is essentially the the hangman, right? Like the hangman plays a vital role in having to to be the person the executioner he has to be the one to do the thing that everybody thinks is the right thing to do but nobody actually wants to do and what you don't want you don't want the hangman to be loving his job right like you don't want you don't want him to be just like just gleeful at the end of the day you want him to just be like you know what man this sucks, but it has to be done. And and it's not just they're not even the hangman. The, no, like the that's, hangman. That's, at least they're not like serving the any function. Like friends. It's yeah. like they're the they're the people he goes for a drink after work and they're like, Tell me about like how you like hung this guy. Right. Oh yeah. And then they right. start Show me pictures. It's, it's it's like even worse than than being the hang. No, it is. It's it's you 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 want people to even in the cases where like people everybody agrees and like the absolute guilt and you have some something like capital punishment you just want people to be like you know what man this kind of sucks right yeah there, but- there's a real life analog to this and i think this happens more in the south and as much as i love this the south i can't support this there's there's tamler taking a stance <laughs> yeah uh 
at, at executions, I don't think this is allowed anymore, but the, the like fraternities yeah. used to go and like have a barbecue outside oh the execution and like cheer and whoop it up. Like, yeah, California, where they, I don't know if they still, I, I don't remember, but they like, I remember the executions, people like would go gather outside and like sell you know, celebrate it. Yeah. And look, this isn't just the South because. What happened when we got Osama bin Laden? Everybody like takes to the street and starts cheering and yelling. And it, I, I didn't like that. I, yeah. I have no beef with killing Osama bin Laden. But right. I have a beef with a bunch of kids who didn't sacrifice right. anything to bring that about, cheering like the death of like him and a bunch of other probably you know more innocent people than right. him. Uh, yeah, like let alone exactly what we had to do yeah. probably in order to get there. But like yeah, it's too exactly. safe. It's too safe. You have to, you have to pay something in order to get the right to cheer. I don't have a good defense to for this, cheer. but that's what right. I feel like. You, you, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um. And, and these people, and, and and I think they're even aware of that because they say they they take measures. That guy in the speech you were talking about says, if you feel in any danger or any risk, we're right. there. Don't worry about it. Like they make it clear that these people are suffering no risk. It's pure voyeuristic pleasure for them to see her suffer in just extraordinarily (laughs) horrific ways. A white bear justice park. It's like, it's like the Disneyland for just what your moral punishment. Like it's like, yeah. Or like a safari. It's like a freaking safari. Right. Like, well, they even say she's like, she's dangerous. Think of her as a lion. They say, right. It's hard not to see like a little bit of a racial undertone here. Like, I think it It helps. Like the the producers stack the deck in many many ways, and I think that that that's one of the ways. Yeah, but then it's a the, lot of white people chasing yeah. uh, the biracial or black woman yeah. like around. Uh, yeah, exactly. What I would love to do as an experiment when I watched this the second time, which I just did today, that take that last part, that last little bit where they're doing all of the setup when they've just explained her murder and they're doing all of the setup and play that first the yeah. episode would be so much less horrific right the sad thing is that we would as an audience member be like kind of okay with it that's a really i i don't know how i would, that's a really good question yeah like, like if, if you, you knew what the crime she did described first. in vivid detail but, and you're but still, and you're told she's not like a villainous person she's not but but as you say like you can't it's hard to imagine you know i would almost be like you know what don't let that bias me that she doesn't look like a villain. I remember what she did. Right. That's the Kantian side of you. Right. But well, she, I mean, she doesn't look like it. I mean, she does like she attractiveness like or anything like that. Yeah. Like just, yeah. I think that if I'm being honest with myself, I would be not only far less disturbed at the episode, I might actually enjoy some of the pain that she's experiencing. So, I don't know. Maybe you're more self-aware than I am. Well, that's, I mean, but I, 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 I'm like that's repelled okay. by power imbalances and that part wouldn't go away. If, if it would be one thing, if it was like the, the mother yeah, of the yeah, daughter, yeah. like tracking her down and chasing her and whatever, then I'm on board. But like a bunch of people, it's the community. Tamler, the it's the community. This is what communities do. They, you know, they rally together and they, you know, they, they protect yeah, the young yeah. girl. I, I, I don't think I would get on board with that. You know, this is I, why... I'm not saying as... Yeah, I don't want to go as far as to say that I would get on board with it. Like, I would hope that I would still make the judgment that this is excessive. But I, ju- I really think that I might get a little branches in there in a way that I didn't get at all. And, and, and uh, hopefully, we haven't really drawn explicit connections, but this should be fairly clear. This is exactly sort of the point. Like, maybe... If you're the victim, you can't be the victim in this case, but even the relatives of the victim, you might not want this. For I actually thought in the episode, yeah. I was I was like trying to see at the end whether they would show the fam, the, like the parents of the, and yeah. they don't actually, they show a picture they're, of. But of they're the no father, part they're, of this. But they're yeah. no part of this. And I wondered, I actually think that um, I, as a parent, would not, like, I would just be like, my, my kid already suffered. Why are we doing this? Either kill her or don't. But are we being inconsistent from everything we've said, especially about like how, the outrage that we would feel and like our like how much how much we would want the person to suffer if they ever harmed you know like when... I, I I think what what you said earlier and this is something you know that I've been pressing in a lot of my work. You have to earn the right to take pleasure 
in the yeah in the suffering of they didn't earn that right you don't just get granted the right just in virtue of being a victim you have to earn it and and th- so i think that's the way it's consistent we've always to the extent that we've endorsed revenge and stuff like that it's all, it's never been like this it's right. always been like you actually take active steps and are willing to risk something and sacrifice right. something it would to be see a, this done. It would be a very different episode if it was like her mother hunting down this yeah. woman with a shotgun. Right. Like it right. Would be and like, and yeah. who, who herself could be like a Maddie Ross from True Grit who, who herself could be killed by the whole episode. You know, Right. It's, exce- it's, it's certainly excessive, but it pushes all of the right buttons just to flip it on you at the end there. And like I just... I actually love the fact that at the end I was like, what would I have thought had this been? Yeah, I like that idea for an experiment. That's great. (laughs) I mean, we should throw this out to the listeners. What do you think? How do you think you would react? I think it's just, it's it's, what's clear is the ugliness of humanity. And it's unfortunately (laughs) just not, it's not that far from the truth of like where we were just a little bit ago when it came to public executions and the, the like, the way in which people celebrated that. You know, this episode reminded me of those cases where, and I, and I never really followed them, so I won't know the details, but there was some case in Italy, right, where some girl murdered another girl, and she yeah, was yeah, being yeah. put on trial, and it was just like everybody howling for blood on the internet. Like, it's yeah. just the the worst side of it's we're more, We are moral busybodies in that way. But like, you know, I mean, I think the story is that that this is maybe why we achieve a balance. The threat of of people becoming moral busybodies to us is is enough to, like, prevent us from doing some shit. Maybe it's not a normative defense, but but it's not right. It's and it's certainly not an endorsement of as an individual because because me taking pleasure in in somebody else's suffering, no matter what they've done, doesn't help society in any way. And this is so what we, you know, even if like I'm free riding on the sick pleasures that other people get, that doesn't mean that I need to feel them. Right. And we, we yeah, we've we've actually talked about this before. But like just, there is a way in which people are always like, well, you don't feel better after revenge. And I never thought you should like, you know, I don't think you should. You should actually feel pretty shitty while you're doing it. Feel feel pretty shitty after you do it. And but that's should, but you, you just do it because the right it's the right thing. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad there's still that sentimentalist trying to climb out of this Kantian prison. Oh no, but you like, know, see, I think that it's actually the right view is like you do it with weeping and, and gnashing of teeth, like you, you do the right thing out of duty. <laughs> oh know? yeah, I guess that is. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say one last thing, which is when you say like whether or not you have the right to to punish or whatever, there is a way in which the people that we've officially sanctioned by society, like police and, and, and judges and whatever, um, to enforce and, and uh, the law, that's essentially like what, like we're outsourcing it, but we're saying, we're endorsing, we're saying like, look, that's your job. And it's really the people in this episode, No, nobody has trained them, nobody's given them permission, nothing. Like they are just inserting themselves. It, yeah, it, it it is like they're getting a... Uh tour of universal studios <laughs> or you know like there's moral porn it's moral pornography is what yeah. but but here's the thing like you know that website i'm sure we've probably mentioned it on the show you you brought it to my attention justice Just, yeah porn. i read the reddit the, the um the subtitle of that is where bullies get their comeuppance and the 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 video that's the pops up the most often is like the bully victim beating the yeah, shit out of the yeah. bully right. but like then they're actually doing something. Yeah. They're not the the equivalent yeah. to this, and I don't think this would be justice porn. This is why this episode isn't justice porn. Right. Is like the kid like telling his big brother and a bunch of other like bigger kids to like beat up the bully and then just eating popcorn and watching like taking glee. And that's when he's in the victim. Yeah. It's actually worse than that. It's like just other people like pulling up a seat, eating it's, popcorn yeah. and watching like this bully get his ass kicked. Um, no, it's like, like yeah, it's yeah. like a vendetta. It's like it's actually what's ugly about the distinction between actually taking action in, in a way that we might call vendetta in, the, in an, the old fashioned sense when you're personally personally harmed. And the way, like, in which people do, like, this internet justice where they just all get together right. and they just, yeah. like, just 
mob just, like ma, sort it's of mob just ma, yeah, yeah yeah even if they're right about the judgment they're making about this particular individual the anonymity and like the disengagement and the, like it's just for me to get a justice chubby <laughs> i need the person <laughs> to have that they're putting themselves out there they're having something at stake or I'm Justice Flaccid. Oh, you're Justice Flaccid. <laughs> there's drugs for that. There's a, <laughs> just a, take some Viagra and your moral intuitions will just, be, just be right. Like, just <laughs> totally just juiced up intuitions. You know, you need, a ju- you need a Justice Intuition penis pump. Moral steroid. Moral performance enhancing drugs. I really love the thought of an intuition <laughs> pump actually being a penis pump. A penis pump, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that note... Tweet us, Um, email us at VeryBadWizards. We'll talk to you next time. Just a very bad wizard.